Welcome to Metaphysical Soul Speak. I'm your host, Elena Fox-Starks. Hey guys, I hope that whenever and wherever you are listening to this podcast that you're remembering to be mindful of the present moment. In the Hay House healing seminar that's going on this week, today was the very first day of this. I listened to Dr. Bruce Lipton and it was extremely interesting. He was talking about how when people are first in love, they're in that honeymoon phase, they seem to glow with an energy of absolute vitality and health and they're so happy. And people look at the happy couple and they say, wow, just look at how They're glowing and they're so healthy and alive. Well, he has uh, done research on this and it turns out that when you're in the present moment, nothing can go wrong and your body seems to repair itself. And the only reason that disease occurs in your body at all It's because a constant amount of stress and that only in a very teeny tiny bit of cases is it even genetically linked. In fact, most people get sick because of emotional stress, fearing the future, remembering the past. So when you are mindful in the moment and you stay in the present moment, And you picture, constantly picture yourself being healthy, happy, alive, vibrant, in love, abundant, every possible thing you want. Because we are, after all, only fields of energy. We're not really physical, as he also pointed out today. So I was really blown away by this. I thought that it ended at midnight and it actually ended at four o'clock California time and there was three lectures I missed Dr. Joe Dispenza and Dr. Veronique Desanier but I was able to see Dr. Bruce Lipton and it was amazing to see hear him speak he uh his lecture was called regenerate new cells and boost your immunity naturally so I was happy to at least hear from him I wished I would have heard Dr. Joe Dispenza (coughs) um, using the quantum field to create extraordinary health I'm so bummed I didn't it was like I started watching it literally five minutes to four California time and I'm like no I could still hear it if I want to pay $99 but I don't know. Maybe it was meant to be. We'll see. (laughs) But I wanted to tell you guys about this because I want you to be able 
to hear this stuff and really get into it, okay? So if you go to hayhousehealsummit.com and you sign up for absolutely free, you're going to hear free lectures every day for seven whole days. I get nothing out of it by telling you guys only that this is how I'm going to spend my next seven days, at least for a couple hours a day, just learning, you know, more and more and more. I'm like constantly, I'm curious, you know, about everything. So uh, again, that's Hay House. That's spelled H-A-Y, Hay House Heal H E A L Summit S U M M I T. So H A H A Y H O U S E H E A L S U M M I T dot com. I'm hoping I remember <laughs> at the end of this recording to actually put it under notable mentions in the first part of my show description. But if in case I forget, I wanted to let you guys know how to get to this. Remember Louise Hay, God rest her soul. She wrote the very famous, worldwide famous book, You Can Heal Your Life. And she started her own publishing company um, after that. So, I don't know. I really like uh, the people that she has lined up. Well, not her, but her, her company. They have this lined up. Today, the topic was healing miraculously. Now, tomorrow, and you could already listen to them right now after you're done listening to my show, you could just go ahead and listen either on video or audio, either way, as long as you have an internet connection, you can use your phone or your laptop, doesn't matter, but uh, let's see here, day two is where we're at today, and this is on healing chronic illnesses. So right now you can listen to Dr. Felicia Yu, Removing Blocks to Healing with East-West Integrative Medicine. Chris Wark will talk about how to um, fuel cancer recovery. Anthony William is going to be talking about how to basically remove toxicity from your life to restore your health. So today's about healing chronic illness. And then the rest of the week is about healing your en- healing your energy. And let's see here. Uh, healing your mind is day three. Healing your energy is day four. Day five will be healing your heart. Day six is healing your spirit. And day seven is healing your fears. And I look forward to all of this, all of it. So anyway, this is, again, how I'm going to spend my days. If you um, want a direct link to it, you're going to have to write me on my uh, Facebook, on, on my messenger. Just Elena Fox Starks It's the one with the black square. It's still my protest to Donald Trump. <laughs> Until he no longer sleeps at the White House, that's going to be my protest right there. Oh, it's so annoying. <laughs> I want to put my face up, but you know what? I said it. I promised it. I kind of keep my integrity with my words. So, <laughs> all right. Um, I'm going to tell you guys something I haven't ever mentioned before. There is an account on Twitter called Rude 
astrology. It's rude underscore astrology. And since we just entered Scorpio season, I looked up astrology for today and this came up and I wanted to read this to you. The Scorpio season is going to be about all the patterns you can't break and facing the fears you're enslaved and imprisoned by in your mind. The past seems like it's going to be on a continuous loop until you choose to break free. It's in your hands, so only fear yourself. So I liked that. So yeah, Scorpio, ooh, it's going to be about the patterns. Speaking of patterns, I'm looking at weather patterns today on fireweatheravalanche.org. And I'm looking at this map, and this is weird. According to this map, there's like no fires in Canada whatsoever. Now, maybe this is only for the United States fires. I don't know. But according to this, in the United States, including the 70 fires in Alaska right now, including those in the western half of the United States, including Canada, I mean, um, including Alaska, sorry, Canada's not the U.S., sorry about that. (laughs) It's a good thing, too, because we'd have nowhere to run. (laughs) Anyway, a hundred and I mean, 853 active fires, eight, five, three, 853 active fires right now in the Western half of the United States and Alaska. Oh my God. It's on fire again. I mean, it just, it seems like, you know, people are interfering with our elections, but they're also, someone is interfering with us. (laughs) The U.S. anyway. I'm not there. But I'm so sad. I mean, in Santa Clarita, where all my ex-in-laws live, they're, they're might be under evacuation. I know in Kincaid County in California, they're under evacuation orders. In several places, in fact, there's um, one fire. I think they call it like the Old Water Fire. I thought that was a weird name. And, and the names get started of the fires by the street that they start on. So that's an ironic name, just like the Paradise Fire was called the Camp Fire. So everyone assumed it's a campfire out of control. This one, Old Water Fire. I wonder how many people are going to think, well, that's what you get for fracking. <laughs> you know, because fire can catch on, I mean, water can catch on fire if... Uh, Uh, fracking. Anyway, I was shocked by this map though. I looked up map of fires in the, in the U S right now, because I wanted to look at the pattern in California. But then when I zoomed out, I was like, Oh my God, literally the left half of the United States is on fire. I mean, Wyoming, Colorado, New Mexico, all the way left of there, all the way to California. And Alaska, 70 fires in Alaska. I was just blown away by this. I'm just like, dude, this is not cool. I mean, I'm even looking and there's nothing as far as um, even in Hawaii, thank God. There were there were fires in Hawaii before. So pray for the United States, please. I, I don't know. Let me, I'm going to pause this for a second and see if I can't find what's going on at the Amazon now. 
Alright guys, so I did a quick survey on the fires around the world. I don't see that there was big ones in Canada right now. In Greenland, they are still on fire. In the Amazon basin in Brazil, they are still on fire. There was even like a week or two ago, there was still 19,000 fires burning, like little small ones, I guess. And I did not know about this one, so I'm glad I looked it up. In Lebanon today, protests erupt in Lebanon after a week of forest fires and high taxes. Okay, this was like two days ago, but... I did not know this. I've got a friend over there in Lebanon. Maybe you've heard of him. His name is Hadi Noor. He is a famous singer. He sings in Arabic. He also speaks French and English. And he and I have been friends for, oh, a long time, like eight or nine years, maybe, at least. I mean, I think in 2010, I think, is when I first, or 2011, maybe, is when I first found him on uh, on the internet. We just started talking. I saw his picture. I'm like, you look so familiar. And he's like, oh my God, you do too. And we realized we don't know each other. He's just a soul friend. <coughs> you know, I'm such an old soul that I keep running into people I know. <laughs> but um, Hadi Noor is, is his stage name, but you would know him by that. He's, he's actually really famous um, in the Arabic singing world, which isn't very big. There's not... You know, compared to like maybe rap or or rock and roll or jazz, possibly. But if you know Arab music, you know him for sure. He's got a gorgeous voice. So anyway, um, so I've got to I've got to write to him. He he lives in Beirut. All right. So I guess tens of thousands of protesters have been marching in the streets in Lebanon against corruption and an incompetent government according to the ecologist.org their economy is stagnant and they're one of the world's most indebted countries so that could be one reason he told me he wants to move to Canada there were some Canadian fires I don't think there's too many big ones now the biggest breaking news right now is the Kincaid fire in um Uh, in Northern California on the coast. So I don't know. I think we should just pray for the whole world. Pray for rain for the whole world. You know, I don't know, man, that's crazy. I didn't even know about that. So I've got to write my friend and ask him. So I don't know. That's some of the things going on in the world, you know, go to the healing seminar, healing summit and pray for all the fires to be put out. It's crazy. It's been an unprecedented last year of fires in places that we never see these kinds of massive fires. Like California, we have our fire season, you know. It's like, oh, what month is it? Look at your watch. Oh, yeah, it's fire season. Of course, everything's on fire. (laughs) You know, it's like kind of normal, but there have been so many more fires than ever before. Ever, like ever, ever in the past couple years. I, it's just been really crazy. Usually it's like you hear one devastating fire. That's just like so shocking. Then you hear about two or three others where, Oh, people had to be evacuated and a few homes burned, but then everything was went back to normal. And I mean, now it's like whole communities, whole towns are burning down, you know? And, um, 
crazy. I mean, the fire that was in the town where I raised my kids the first 10 years of their lives, um, that was the first time that it ever happened. I mean, that was like the worst fire in California ever. And there's 75 mile an hour winds in California, which is of course pushing the fires right along. (laughs) So, you know, the elements of fire and the elements of air are just working together on this one. (laughs) I, it's, it's weird. I don't even know why this is happening, but we have to believe that everything is in divine order and just pray for it, but don't focus on it and don't, uh, be fearful of it. Just try to stay in the present moment and be mindful as much as humanly possible. You know, that's all we can do. It's like, what else can we do? Right. Anyway, I'm still a little bit sick. I just, you know, just, uh, I've just still been exhausted, you know, and last night I had like a, like a rally, like two or three hours. I was like, yeah, I have so much energy. I feel great. Oh my God. Not sick anymore. I haven't made plans for today for early in the afternoon. And I woke up at almost four in the afternoon. I wrote to my friend and he was like, well, guess what? I had planned to be with you all day as well. And then the minute I woke up, my phone didn't stop ringing my messages and my email, everything was filled up to the brim and I've been working all day long. And he said, I just finished up all of my meetings out of the house today. I just walked in the door. He's like, so I I had like nothing. I had no time for you either today. He's like, that's so funny that like our lives are parallel in the ways of, you know, when we can't get together, it's not like one of us is waiting for hours for the other, you know, except one time the day we were supposed to meet last week when I got sick, that was the only time when he had time and I didn't show up. But I mean, it's like something's been keeping us apart this whole time. And I don't know. We'll see. We're, we're going to try to get it together. Hopefully tomorrow. But It's like, I, I want to meet him so bad. I'm like, let's just go have tacos. <laughs> you know, we have this, um, all this commonalities and things in common. And I just want a really good friend that I could go hang out with and relate to. And my other friend, he doesn't really hang out with me ever, except when he has a concert, um, because he's got his family, he's got his wife and kids. And it's inappropriate for me to be like, Hey, let's go out, you know? So I have never asked him out ever, obviously, cause that would, that's just weird. Even though I met his wife and, and she's perfectly lovely, but she's not very, um, uh, I think she's an introvert. She's so she's not very outgoing and I'm not outgoing either, but I'm outgoing with certain people. Like once I meet them, then I'm okay. I mean, I'm not like so shy that I can't say a peep, obviously <laughs> you tell that from the show, right? <laughs> but anyway, my friend who started the violent femmes with his brother, Gordon. Well, Gordon is still in the Violet Femmes and they just had a couple tours this past year, but, um, Glenn is going to be playing in Santa Reno's down here in Cuenca. And so I'm excited because I heard that Santa Reno's have fabulous chicken Caesar salads. (laughs) So I look forward to that and I'm going to see if my, my kid will come. I didn't even tell him about it. I forgot before he left to go see, uh, his friend, but, um, anyway, I, I don't know. It's just, uh, 
everything has been kind of weird. Like this past week, and my other friend who I haven't heard from her in a while, like we play that um, quiz game on Facebook Messenger every day. So that's how we, it's kind of our way of keeping tabs on each other without constantly asking how you're doing. So like when it's my turn and then it's her turn, then we know that we're both alive. We're both okay. We're coherent enough to be able to play a quiz game. So we don't have to constantly go, how are you? I was worried, right? (laughs) It's like kind of our secret way of knowing about each other without alarming the other one. And I mean, I've been her friend since the nineties. Um, we went to school together. We both earned our degrees in psychology from the Cal state uh, University Northridge. But she told me today, she said, you know, I have been so sick all week long. I've had the flu and I, I have not even had the energy to go outside and feed the feral cat outside, which that's a big deal for her. Cause she's, she feeds a feral cat and a, a raccoon. And sometimes if she leaves the back door slightly ajar, she'll like walk in her kitchen and there's a raccoon on her counter. (laughs) And so she's like gotten very friendly with this raccoon, which is also very sweet. I've befriended several raccoons in my life too. And they're so smart. They're super fun. And it's cool that a wild animal wants to hang out with you because they don't really have to. They don't depend on you, right? So anyway, um, and, and he plays with the cats. It's really adorable. But, um... Yeah, so it's just weird. So even people I didn't know were sick were sick at the same time as me as well. So I don't know. And she's in California. It's not like it's going around in one area. And my other friend in Canada and was throughout like Eastern Seaboard. We have friends all over the place. I have a feeling it was just like that extra energy. Like we, it took so much energy to get anchored into the fifth dimension. And I feel like that final week was just like so much energy taken out of everybody. You know, my other friends who were healthy and weren't sick were like, I just have to stay home and sleep today. You know, so if this is happening to you, don't be alarmed. It's, it's going to pass. I'm already getting better. My friend is getting better. I think that we're all going to be okay. You know, this week at least. (laughs) Anyway, um, disclosurenews.it for the Schumann Resonance Today update. They only had the evening report and they said a bit of movement returned from 13 to 15 UTC time with two peaks that exceeded 20 the first at 24 and the second at 22 oh here we go with a master number again says for the rest of the day it was calm so 24 was the high was the frequency the power 24 they're still doing that and yay heartmath.org they're back baby all right in California, where all the frickin' fires are, they were at the Hertz frequency of 80 on the Schumann resonance scale, and at 4 a.m. they were at 75. So that's cool. Let's see where else. Uh, uh, in Hofuf, Saudi Arabia, they started off at midnight at 92, and they just stayed straight across at 92 all day, so they didn't change. Now. Oh, that was weird. Did you guys hear that? That was a really weird sound from outside. It sounded like an exotic bird. I hope that no exotic birds are here because it's so cold at night and they won't, they won't fare well. We do have like the zoo has, um, exotic birds, but I think they've got a heater 
to keep them warm and they have the temperature just right. Those birds are so cool. Like you can walk in, you walk in the cage with them. And if they feel like they want to interact with you, they'll just jump on you, but they don't normally. I had a couple birds that looked like they really wanted to hang out with me. Like, I think if I had spent three more hours there, by the end of the day, I would have the red parrot on my arm. The red parrots, the, the big, huge macaws, always tend to love me a lot. And I don't know why, but I love them back, so maybe that could be it. <laughs> but I don't know. Maybe we'll see if that happens again. That was a really strange sound. I, I don't think there's one outside. It's it's cold. It's wet. It's rainy as hell here tonight. And all day it was rainy. I looked outside. I did not see any energy. And maybe it was just me because I was tired. Now I wasn't able to perceive it today. But everything looked very gray. Different, very shades of gray and white. But not one peep of blue sky anywhere. And the... Um, afternoon we saw a little bit of hail actually it was cold enough to hail I put my arms out the window and I caught some hail a little bit it melted on impact though it never gets uh, cold enough here thank you God to stick we don't get snow here 45 minutes from here they do in the upper mountains but where we are here in Cuenca we've got perfect weather usually but a lot of rain this time of year all right so in Lithuania, they started off at midnight at 125 hertz frequency. And same thing, they just straight across at 4 a.m., same thing, 125. And in Alberta, Canada, they start off at 138. Remember, they were so high yesterday, but today they were down to 138. And at 4 a.m., they were at 124. Now, yesterday, though, actually in the morning, they were at 297. So that's a far cry, you know. Now they're down to between 138 and they left off at at 124 again. So, you know, it's still, they're still high. Like on the on the Shimon Resonance, it's still like a lot of energy being bombarded over there. Now in uh, Northland, New Zealand, here we go. The master numbers started off at 66. And four hours later, they were at 63. And... Hulului, South Africa. This was the big winner for the day. <laughs> Does anyone win? I don't know. But they were at uh, 238 at midnight and 241 by 4 a.m. So let's see. Um, looks like two of them. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say because two of these are meeting together, but they're actually not. Uh, Alberta and Lithuania were like 124 and 125 respectively. So it looks like on the chart it's meeting. They'll probably cross tomorrow. I have a feeling. So it's, you know, it's still, I guess it looks pretty normal. I don't know. All right. Um, <laughs> oh my God. A Course in Miracles. It always gets me every freaking time. Great. <laughs> all right um this uh good god this is just hilarious i mean i honestly believe that i'm sick because i just it was like so much energy put out to anchor into the fifth dimension but here it is here's the thought for today <laughs> sickness is a defense against the truth 
No one can heal unless he understands what purpose sickness seems to serve. For then he understands as well, its purpose has no meaning. Being causeless and without a meaningful intent of any kind, it cannot be at all. When this is seen, healing is automatic. Well, I better see it today. (laughs) Oh my God. It says, it dispels the meaningless illusion by the same approach that carries all of them to truth and merely leaves them to disappear. Sickness is not an accident. Like all defenses, it is an insane device for self-deception. And like all the rest, its purpose is to hide reality. Attack it, change it, render it inept, distort it, twist it, or reduce it to a little pile of unassembled parts. (laughs) The aim of all defenses is to keep the truth from being whole. The parts are seen as if each one were whole within itself. Defenses are not unintentional, nor are they made without awareness. They are secret magic wands to wave when truth appears to threaten what you would believe. They seem to be unconscious, but because of the rapidity with which you choose to use them. In that second, even less, in which the choice is made, you recognize exactly what you would attempt to do, and then proceed to think that it is done. Very interesting. Well, does that go along with what I was saying about what Dr. Bruce Lipton said? If you're in the moment, you're healthy. It's when you start thinking about the, and that's insane, right? Worried about the future, thinking about the past, feeling like there's an outside kind of threat. He also said today, Dr. Bruce Lipton said that there is, the immune system is like when you have stress hormones racing through your body, it shuts off your immune system. And if you feel like you're under attack one way or the other, you know, then you're going to have an immune system shut off. And then, you know, that's when invaders could come in. So I don't know. This is really worth looking into quite a bit more. Yeah. Okay. At the very end of the lesson says, um, if you let your mind harbor attack thoughts, yield to judgment or make plans against uncertainties to come, you have again misplaced yourself and made a bodily identity which will attack the body <clears throat> for the mind is sick. Huh, in my case, that does make sense because I was worried about my future a week before I got sick. And I was trying to make plans against uncertainties to come. Exactly. So there you go. That's, well, that's where I went wrong. <laughs> Woo! I like when we're learning together. <laughs> Maybe you all are like, I already knew that, Elena. <laughs> well, my hat's off to you if I were wearing one. <laughs> but maybe you didn't know this either, so hey. So it says, give instant remedy should this occur by not allowing your defensiveness to hurt you any longer. Do not be confused about what must be healed, but tell yourself this. I have forgotten what I really am, for I mistook my body for myself. Sickness is a defense against the truth, but I am not a body, and my mind cannot attack. So I cannot be sick. Did you guys feel a power in that? I felt a power in that. 
I'm going to, I'm going to say that again. <laughs> I have forgotten what I really am for. I mistook my body for myself. Sickness is a defense against the truth, but I am not a body and my mind cannot attack. So I cannot be sick. You know, I think my sinuses just opened up a little bit. <laughs> Sickness is a defense against the truth. Does that actually put you in the present moment? I know it did for me. That brought a deep sense of peace to myself. Oh, I love these lessons. Oh my God, they're so good. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to take a quick break, and when we come back, I am going to tell you guys kind of a personal story <laughs> uh, about my experience with the plant teacher called San Pedro. And I'm going to tell you that right after this message. Metaphysical Soul Speak is run on sponsors and listener support. This means listeners like you. If you are so inclined to support my efforts and my little podcast, please visit me at anchor.fm forward slash metaphysical and pledge an amount of your choosing today. Thank you. Wachuma, more commonly known as San Pedro in the Western world, or currently known as Echinopsis Pachanoi in scientific literature, is a 20-foot-tall, light green, night-blooming, and nearly spineless columnar cactus, which is native to the Andes Mountains, <laughs> where I live now. <laughs> it in its native habitat it grows in the altitudes of 6600 to 9800 feet above sea level cool so i could probably find some right where i live actually now i want to go look <laughs> this cactus is found in parts of colombia ecuador peru bolivia chile and argentina but it's also cultivated in neighboring countries and many other parts of the world. It is considered to be the most ancient and revered plant teachers among the shamans of northern Peru. Now you can legally cultivate this uh, for your landscape in the United States, but it is a psychotropic plant. It is we call it a plant teacher here in South America, but in the U.S., the government tends to call it a, a Schedule One controlled substance. <laughs> but that's only if you extract all the mescaline out of it. So, 
you can go to Peru and uh, attend um, an authentic Huachuma or San Pedro ceremony. And when you have, when you when you come here and and they start telling you, you know, there's plant medicines here. The the one that's the most popular for real is ayahuasca, and they call that the divine mother plant, the mother plant, and the father is San Pedro. So I'm going to tell you now. The information I just read to you was from entheonation.com that's e-n-t-h-e-o-n-a-t-i-o-n.com again I'll try to put that in the uh, notable mentions section so let's see here I'm going to read a little bit more here before I get into uh, my whole connection to this so San Pedro cactus has been used ceremoniously for around 3,500 years by indigenous groups in Peru. The earliest known use comes from a stone carving which dates back around 1300 BC. It very clearly depicts a Huachuma shaman holding a tall San Pedro cactus. The carving was found at the Jaguar Temple in northern Peru at Chavin de Huantar, and this is from the Chavin culture, C-H-A-V-I-N. So, um, oh, this is interesting. Another notable discovery made at the Chavin site by Peruvian archaeologist Rosa Fung was cigar butts made from the San Pedro cactus. Well, I didn't know you could smoke it, and guess what I might do? (laughs) I think I might try it. (laughs) This sacred cactus is seen later as a decorative motif on Peruvian ceramic traditions. So uh, it says in the Salinar style of 400 to 200 BC, and in the Nazca urns of 100 BC to 700 AD. All right. Nazca is a very interesting place. I loved being there. Had a very strange energy to it. It felt kind of like, um, I don't know, a little bit like Denver, Colorado, in that it felt neutral in energy. So you didn't feel um, like you needed to defend yourself against attack like you do like in maybe scary cities, you know, places that feel kind of icky, you know, even though you don't ever have to defend yourself against attack, but you know, there's some places where you get your guard up a little bit and there's some places that are so light and bright and airy and open that you just feel like nothing bad could ever, ever happen there. So it's like got a very good vibe, but Nazca for me was just kind of a, kind of an energetic neutral vibe. And it just, it was like a place to rest. And I, I got, I took my kids in the airplane. We flew over the Nazca lines and it was an incredible experience. I recommend it highly to anybody. And it wasn't very much. I think it was like $30 or $40 each for like an hour in the, in the air. It wasn't that uh, big of a deal. I thought it was going to be more. I don't think it was a hundred each. I think it was like maybe 50 at the most, but very cool. So I, I didn't know that in Nazca, they also did this. Okay. So of course, you know, um, colonial oppression by the Spaniards 
led, they say nearly led to the extinction of the sacred plant, or, oh, I'm sorry, led to the extinction of the sacred Wachuma ceremonies. But, of course, in secret, the tribal people are not going to give up their ways. So they still do it, and it's been handed down for generations, many, many generations now. So healing with Huachuma is similar to healing with ayahuasca. So you remember I told you there's like that connection with the mother and the father plant. Uh, the mother plant grows in the jungle and the father plant grows in the desert. So it is facilitated by indige- indigenous shaman, they said. Uh, let's see. They use musical. And this is, oh, my story is going to make more sense when, uh, <laughs> All right, it says, like ayahuasqueros, Quachuma shamans utilize musical instruments such as shakers, flutes, drums, and an indigenous version of a jaw harp that makes twangy or boingy sounds. Holy man. Remember that part, the music. <laughs> oh my god my story is not at all like traditional so um let's see in in the plant itself in san pedro uh they have al- it's alkaloids okay so it has um mescaline and then a few other things i can't quite pronounce but of course the concentrations of the alkaloids vary from plant to plant but mescaline is the the most psychotropic um and i'm gonna have to figure out what 50 grams of dried cactus is i gotta i gotta look this up (laughs) see i didn't even know any of this stuff before i uh but they say uh 50 grams of dried cactus can um contain anywhere from 150 milligrams to 1.2 grams of mescaline so that could be like a threshold dose all the way up to a potential overdose so you got to be really careful you have to take it like a little bit you know but i i don't recommend you just running out to get some um i was the person who gave it to me said in the bag here, just take this much and this is what you do. And I'm like, cool, I'll try it. <laughs> so, all right. According to entheonation.com, it says San Pedro has been used by indigenous shamans for thousands of years in healing ceremonies. Throughout that time, there have been innumerable accounts of miracle cures to a wide variety of illnesses, which include beating addictions, cancer, paralysis, and diabetes, to name just a few. The plant medicine of San Pedro does not stop there. It's also used to treat emotional issues such as grief, psychological problems like depression. And it has been used as a sacrament by shamans since the very beginning of the Andes, Andean civilizations. So what they consider this to be, uh, the shamans consider this to be materia prima, which is a formless primeval substance regarded as the original material of the universe. So it is extremely sacred. 
So let's see here. Is there anything else worth mentioning? If you guys want to see this, just go to entheonation.com. And the name of this is a beginner's guide, Huachuma San Pedro. Huachuma is spelled with an H. H-U-A-C-H-U-M-A. Oh, they do mention um, the Nazca and Paracas cultures. Oh, I had a great time in Paracas. The beach there, I never wanted to leave. In fact, I'd met a girl, a, a woman, sorry. I call her a girl because she was like really young, like 20. Or no, I think she's 21. But, um, but she and I were in the same hostel in Lima. And like three months later, I ran into her in Paracas. I'm like, um, wait a minute. You've been here a long time, didn't you? uh passport expire and she's like or I mean your visa and she's like oh yeah I don't care I'm never leaving I'm like what she goes I'm absolutely in love she's from Europe she's like I'm absolutely in love with Paracas I love Peru I'm never gonna leave so oh well and I'm like oh my god she goes I don't even care I who's gonna say anything I'm gonna be here forever <laughs> I'm like oh I love her so much I bet if I went to that two years later I bet she'll still be there she was working at the hostel in Paracas, which is right on the beach. God, it's so beautiful there. I, I loved it. Loved it. And they have the, uh, in Paracas, they've got those skulls that are elongated. And I didn't see them when I was there. I don't even know why. I think I was, oh, that was, yeah, that's a whole other story. But I had just released 5,000 um, uh, ghosts from just north of there and I was exhausted and I was only there for a couple days and then I left so all right um yeah if I ever go back there I'll go look at those skulls uh so basically uh, it says in order to understand the Nazca lines one should be able to understand first the culture that preceded them and he was saying that there was a lot of uh articles and pictures he found about the ceramics there and it's the importance of the Nazca and Paracas cultures. The Nazca lines, if you don't know what that is, you should look this up, N-A-Z-C-A. Now these lines are drawn basically or scratched into the surface of the hard desert floor into shapes. But it's what's weird about them is it's one line to make the image of a spider or a hummingbird or the monkey, right? And they're incredible. And every year they discover more. They're like, oh, wow, I didn't know about that one. In fact, I got up on a tower and I took pictures of of these from really high tower and the winds were like, oh my God, I thought we were going to fly out of the tower. It was so heavy duty winds. But they built a highway before even they even knew that the Nazca lines existed. And then when someone, uh, when they first flew over them with a the plane, they're like, oh my God, holy man, look at this. And then they were like, really, like, what happened? The people who did this, no one really knows. They think that it was drawings in, in, and you could only really see them from the air. So they think they has something to do with UFOs and contacting... <laughs> contacting the aliens or I don't know I have a theory that an alien child stole their parent his parents uh, spaceship and used a, a, a beam to beam these carvings into the okay probably it's not what happened 
<laughs> After I saw that, though, that's when I got my monkey tattoo of the monkey Nazca line. That's on my back in bright green because it's the same kind of monkey that I saw in the jungle. See, there's another connection between the jungle and the desert. There's a lot of species of monkeys in the jungle there, but in Peru, but the one that landed on my shoulder the very first time I ever had an interaction with a wild monkey and it jumped on me and immediately stole crap out of my purse. <laughs> but it landed on that shoulder and that's why I got the jungle green and I had a face put in the Nazca line. So that's my one of my well, I have three tattoos, but I love it. All right. Um uh, let's see. It is important to notice, though, okay, it says traditional use is still ongoing today by the descendants of the ancient Huachuma shamans. The Labayek culture of 1200 to 800 BC developed lunar rituals and rites involving the use of the sacred Huachuma cactus. And amazingly, yet not surprisingly, this lo- these lunar rites are still being honored today. It is important to note that Catholic quote-unquote con- conquistadors and their quote-unquote priests condemned the ritualistic use of San Pedro as being devil worship. So, which is just completely retarded. I'm sorry, it's just bad, 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 bad. Sorry, I didn't mean to say what I'm about to say. It's so stupid. Like, oh yeah, let's just conquer your culture and tell you everything you're doing is wrong. It's like, shut up. Come on. All right, yeah, I'm looking at these cactuses now. I've never... I've been in the desert, and and they were all around me, and I had no idea. So this is my story of it. It's really crazy. It is a sacrament. You uh, consume it orally, and it allows you to see um, an illness or what's wrong, you know, emotionally, or whatever you're looking at. It helps you look at it in a different way. So, all right, um... There's a lot more about it, about the legality and even how to grow it, how to heal from it um, on this. But so I'm going to tell you guys, uh, I'm going to bookmark this because it's how to make it. Yeah. Okay. I have like a pound of it in my closet right now. (laughs) I mean, I am a shaman, but okay. I haven't always been a plant based shaman though a lot of people hear the word shaman and imagine immediately that you know I'm holding ceremonies and crap and I'm not I'm just I'm an energy shaman there's many different kinds if you listen to my many kinds of shamans episode that I did so my story goes back to oh probably I'd have to say when I was around 18 years old as soon as I turned into an adult moved to California and I lived in Santa Barbara, I started having these dreams and these dreams got more and more intense. And I've had these dreams ongoing for decades, literally. This is an ongoing dream that like once a year will occur, sometimes a couple times a year. And this is a dream where I'm flying in the jungle somewhere here in South America and as I'm flying in the jungle flying like I'm a bird (laughs) like I'm an eagle or something like flying or maybe astral projecting and flying and below me there's a snake 
and she's like a hundred feet long and she's brown and she's red and she has black diamonds on her back and white spots, sometimes yellow spots, but very faint yellow, like a kind of a creamish yellow, butter yellow, you know, not very pale, but mostly white spots. And I'm flying above her and she's going rapidly, really, really, really fast. And I wake up terrified of of her because she's a snake, (laughs) you know, and I had a fear of snakes because, well, I had some bad experiences back in, um, back in, uh, Egypt, (laughs) past life stuff. So man, so anyway, I wake up and then I'm always in a cold sweat and heavy breathing and oh my God, what the hell? Why am I having this dream again? And um, I had no idea what it meant. What what the hell does this mean? Other than I'm just flying above a snake and I'm watching her. And I don't know if she knows I'm there or if she's guiding me. I know I'm in the jungle. And that's it. So I've had this recurring dream forever. Forever and ever and ever and ever. And I had no idea what it meant. And about my first or second year in Santa Barbara, I think it was maybe one year into living there. My boyfriend at the time got really into the Carlos Castaneda books. So of course we started reading the Eagle's gift and I mean, all of them, all of them highly recommended. If you like reading about, uh, Mexican, um, uh, native Americans, right? So, they're uh, basically books about the northern Mexican natives and about Don Juan, who is a brujo or sorcerer. And um, it's all about all, all of the rituals. And the guy who wrote the book, Carlos Castaneda, his first book about it was supposedly, um, it's all supposedly true, although now a lot of people say maybe he made it up. I don't think he did. I think people are just being jealous, but he got his PhD, uh, from UCLA with this book, with these books, with the first book. And then he read, wrote all the other ones afterwards. So I don't think he was making it up. I mean, this guy's like, Oh, when he supposedly wrote this, he was, you know, getting high in his dorm room. He stayed there for the summer and I watched him. And so he didn't really write it. He didn't have these experiences. Well, I I think the guy was just jealous. I think he actually was I think he actually had the experiences. He probably just had them years before, you know, that's just my gut instinct because they look, they sound really real. Anyway, in one of these books, there was a description of Mescalero. (laughs) Mescalero is what the Northern Mexican brujos or witches, sorcerers call Mescaline, which is in the plant, it's part of the plant medicine that's in the uh, cactuses there. Different, different species than the one here in the Andes Mountains. Wow, it is raining like crazy outside and it sounds like they're starting to get hail. So if you hear that in the background, yep, I think it's hailing here. It's going to go, if, it, if the wind shifts, it's going to go against my window. 
All right. So I was reading about Mescalero and he is the plant teacher. He is the spirit, the overall um, deva, if you will, of all of the mescaline plants. And if he comes to you, he will give you a lesson, right? Like a, a, so I was reading this and I'm like, well, there's nothing that I have here. I don't have any peyote, which is normally North America. Peyote buttons is where you're going to get mescaline. You know, if you extract the mescaline out, obviously then you just have mescaline period. Like, you know, but San Pedro is related to this cactus. Okay. So, so peyote is like the Northern hemisphere brother to San Pedro or Huachuma. So San Pedro is the Spanish word for it. And Huachuma is the, um, the Incan name, I think. It might be just another, it might not just be the Incan. It might be a different tribe, like the Chavin tribe that came up with that. But I didn't hear about Huachuma, the name of it, until just now, tonight, when I was researching. Now, San Pedro, throughout all of Peru, everyone knows that San Pedro is. In fact, in, in Colombia. So, so anyway, I was reading the Eagle's Gift and all these books. I was, I was just one after another. I was just voraciously consuming these books. I was like, oh my God, these are so amazing. And um, I was terrified by some of the things that occurred. If you know what I mean, the lizard story. Oh my God, the lizards. Oh my God. All right. <sighs> Pretty intense sorcery there. Uh, <laughs> If you know that book, you'd be like, oh my God, yeah, I remember that story. But <laughs> anyway, he describes, he described uh, the spirit, Mescalero, as coming to you as a um, plant. And his face is like the cactus berry, and it looks almost like a, a strawberry. And I thought that was weird. You know, like red with the seeds in his face. But, but it makes sense. He was a plant spirit. So, all right, fine. So I wanted so badly to experience this. I wanted so much to experience this. So what I did, <laughs> I looking back, it could have been poisonous and could have killed me, but I did this anyway. I had kava kava root in my herbal repertoire <laughs> in my house at that moment. And there was um, a, an article I'd read about kava kava root that people, uh, shamans in South America, especially in Brazil, have been known to smoke kava kava root in order to perform psychic surgery where they're removing an illness from somebody and it takes the illness away. Right. So I thought, well, holy man, that's, that's incredible. So I'm going to get high on this plant and, um, but I'm going to use the high to contact the spirit, not of Kava Kava, but the spirit of Mescalero. I want to know Mescaline, the spirit of Mescal, you know, Mescal. I want to know. I mean, and by the way, you can even go to Mexico, northern Mexico, and you could buy liquor made with mescaline in it. 
<laughs> I haven't, I've seen it and I was too, at the time, too afraid to try it. So instead I went and I got the Damiana liqueur, which is a, a aphrodisiac and is well revered. The bottle shaped like a naked pregnant woman. So <laughs> that tells you everything in Northern Mexico. There are, um, every single place you go, every corner, there's another Damiana clinic. They're very teeny tiny Damiana clinics. They treat fertility with Damiana. It also increases your immune system. And I use that to cook in almost every meal for forever. <clears throat> well, the alcohol part in the Damiana flavor is excellent for cooking and it does increase your immune system. I started doing that because I had immune problems. And, um, also I use it for my, <laughs> when I was a newlywed with my husband. So, Hey, <laughs> but, um, okay, back to this. So I smoked the Kava Kava root, which stunk to high heaven. And I got really weirdly high. It was a weird high. And I, I laid in my bed with, with the lights off and my body started to shake a little bit. And I'm like, shit, I think I just killed myself. <laughs> Oops. I totally next it. And then, um, I started to hallucinate and I'm like, Oh good. It is going to work. This is cool. So started to hallucinate. And here is, uh, Mescalero. He came to me and he had his back to me at first and he was wearing, um, a, uh, poncho a hand-woven, multicolored, rainbow-colored poncho. Electrical colors, like bright, bright, like you would see in the tribes in northern Mexico in, in um, their villages. They, I mean, there's God, beautiful, beautiful hand-woven fabrics, but purple and orange and red and yellow and blue and turquoise and black and white even. And um, so he's wearing this poncho, and he had a big sombrero on, and he turned to me. So apparently I'm in contact now with Mescalero of the Northern Mexican tribes. And so he was wearing the clothes from that area and he turned to me and he looked at me and he says, why have you contacted me? I was so intimidated. I was like, I wanted to know you and I wanted to love you. I wanted to give you my love and I wanted to understand you. And because I respect you as a plant medicine, you know? So he was like, okay, good. And then he smiled and he turned completely to me and his face looked like a big strawberry <laughs> and he had plant hands. Like they looked like normal hands and he was really fat and he had, um, green hands and he played a song for me and I fell asleep and I feel like I had an experience. Like I knew him. I used Kava Kava to get to know him. So I think that Kava Kava is a gateway. Um, <laughs> I won't say gateway drug, but I think that it is a portal to knowing other plant teachers, knowing the spirit of the plant, whether you have the plant with you or not. So that was my first experience with Mescalero. Okay. So I come to Colombia just three years ago, I went to Columbia and that was when I first, uh, in January, it's been like three years and nine months. I've been in South America now. Seems like yesterday to me, but my kids and I came to Medellin first where Pablo Escobar was raised. 
Um, that's what it's mostly famous for, but it's a beautiful city. I highly recommend visiting if you uh, want. It's a clean city, very beautiful. Amazing innovations there. A lot of technology that's just, it'll blow your mind. It's not like a bunch of people sitting in the dirt in the jungle. That's pretty much everyone in my, it, all my friends believed that South America was, it's just like a bunch of dirt roads in the jungle and that's where we live. And that's not true. But this is a beautiful continent. At least what I've seen of it so far. I've only been to three, three countries, Brazil for a few minutes illegally, but okay. I digress. Um, <laughs> so my friend, um, in who owns a hostel in Medellin told me that they told me about ayahuasca and he told me about uh, San Pedro and he, he was saying that one's female, one's male. So I got a little bit more interested, but I'm not interested in doing ayahuasca and I have not been for a while. Like I have never done it and I, I may at some point, but I haven't done it yet, but I went to Bogota and then from Bogota, we flew down to Letitia in the jungle where I heard more people talking about ayahuasca and San Pedro and the mother and the father plant. And I'm like, okay, but I still didn't do anything. I had a lot of people were mentioning that San Pedro, San Pedro. I'm like, wow, I never even heard of that San Pedro and ayahuasca. One's a mother, one's a father. All right, great. So then I moved to Lima and I was there for like three months or six months. And my boyfriend said, look, when you come back from your vacation to Ecuador, I went up to Ecuador uh, to renew my visa. Cause you have to leave every three months. And so we went up, we came up here to Cuenca or maybe we went to Montanita Beach. No, we went to Cuenca that time. He says, when you come back, we have the, um, I have the Marco Wasi, uh, show. I'm like, Oh, okay, cool. He's like, so I'm going to take you there. I'm like, yeah. Oh my God. I can't wait to go. Totally forgot. I come back from a 40 hour bus ride from Ecuador to Peru, 40 hours on the bus with my kids. (laughs) And I get there and he's like, you know that we're leaving tomorrow morning. And I'm like, um, what? He's like, yeah, tomorrow morning we're leaving first thing in the morning. So I get, I get home to my apartment about six o'clock at night and he tells me we're leaving. I'm like, Oh my God. So I gave my kids a lot of money that I had in my purse and I only took a little bit with me. I said, how do we get there? And he's like, oh, it's just by buses. I'm like, oh, okay. So I took the equivalent of $40, nothing more, thinking it was going to be way easier than it was. And I said, do I have to bring anything? He's like, just, um, you know, just yourself, you know, just supplies for spending one night. We're only going to be up there one night. I'm like, okay. So I told my kids, here's the money. Here's, you know, everything. And, you know, and I even left them my uh, ATM card in case you guys need more money or whatever, which is a good thing. Cause it turned out half the money I'd given them was counterfeit. That's a huge problem in Peru and no one would take the money. They eventually, um, I think they bought street food in the middle of the night or something just to get rid of the counterfeit money. It was like, Oh my God. But they, they were able to get money out of the ATM. I told them how much to get and where, and both my kids are, well, you know, my oldest was like 17 at that time, I think, or 16 at the time. I'm like, I'm going to be overnight. There's plenty of food. Here we go. And so anyway, they had fun anyway. <laughs> One night without mom was like, woo. <laughs> and so we went 
it was another God. It was like a long time at seven in the morning. We left. We did not get to literally the town of San Pedro until six o'clock at night. And we were just on bus after bus after, you know, van after van. I mean, it was crazy. And then, um, so we get to this, this little town called San Pedro. Awesome. So we're in San Pedro and he says, we looked all over, over the town and there was, and it was cold at night. They gave us eight blankets. It was that cold and every blanket was an inch thick. And they said, make sure you sleep underneath the blankets tonight because it's that cold there. It was like you could die of cold there. Like, oh my God. Okay. (laughs) It was cold as hell. So we came and, um, I was in this little bakery and they only had like just enough food to feed us. Oh, I digress. When, when I first arrived at the place, I first arrived at the place, um, All right. So yeah, when we were first arriving into the town, there was a song that we heard. I'm like, Oh, look, there's going to be a band. There's gonna be a band. This is so exciting. There's a band. Cool. There might be a parade. That's I love, you know, learning about new cultures and new places. So I looked and when I, when we drove in the bus by the, um, it was a very narrow dirt road. So we had to go very slow. And one of the people turned and he looked into my eyes really intensely and it was like (gasps) and I felt he saw my soul right he saw me and I smiled and he smiled and he waved to me and he nodded his head and I'm like cool that was very very weird So we were in this bakery and we're eating the like last two pieces of bread that was there. We asked them if there was any um, coffee and they said, oh yeah, we have coffee and they go next door where they live and they start going through their own kitchen to make us coffee. It was really strange. And my boyfriend said, he's going to go see if there's any other food in town. That was all we had. There's no supplies, no food on any of the shelves in any of the stores. It was a really a trip. And, um, so he went to go look and this white German dude comes in and he has this long golden blonde hair and these bright blue piercing blue eyes, gorgeous guy. And he has a poncho on, not unlike the one that, you know, who had on (laughs) Mescalero and he sat down and he's like, so where are you from? You know, and I told him, and then he just said, it's no coincidence you're here. I'm like, oh, okay, well, you know, I'm just here to, to we're going to Markawasi tomorrow. And he said, no, it's no coincidence you're here. I'm like, okay, what do you mean? <laughs> he says, uh, you'll see what I mean. And then he started talking in cryptic riddles. And he says, have you tried San Pedro yet? I'm like, no. He's like, well, you're in the town of San Pedro. It grows here. In fact, this is a very famous hot spot. They say this is where it comes from. Whoa. Okay. Wow. I didn't know that. I mean, it's not why I'm here, but wow. Interesting. And he says, so (laughs) he says, so, um, I came here five years ago and I never left. 
I'm like, oh my God. He said, yeah, I met the shaman who gives the ceremonies for San Pedro. And he gave me his walking stick. And that means I am the number one shaman here since he died. I'm like, whoa, that's really trippy. Like he didn't give that to someone else in town that he knew. And he said, no, I was a chosen one. He knew he saw me coming before I got here. I'm like, that's really a trip. And I started feeling really weird. Like in my head, I felt really weird, heady kind of feeling energy. And he goes, well, enjoy your stay. And that was right when my boyfriend walked in and he walked out. He's wearing these sandals without any socks. I thought that was weird because it was cold as hell there. So this, um, he leaves In fact, he didn't even leave. This was what was weird is I saw him walking towards the door. I looked at Renato and I looked and the guy was gone and I went, where the hell did he go? And I looked out, I looked everywhere and he's gone. (laughs) He disappeared in thin air. I don't know who he was, but he disappeared into thin air. I don't remember what he said his name was, but he said he was a San Pedro shaman. That was another weird thing. So... As soon as he left, this band came by, the one that was rehearsing before. And they gathered, not in the town square, in the center of the village. Oh, no, no. They came right next to the window where I was sitting. And there was a series of four windows. So they could have sat next to, or they could have, you know, set up near any window but they were within a couple feet of me playing this music the music that I just described and they played the same song again and 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 again like they only know the one song and they played this song all night long while I we walked to the hotel And it was extremely high elevation, like 10,000 feet, I think, or 8,000 feet plus above sea level. The next day we took, so that music was ingrained in my mind. In the middle of the night, my um, boyfriend's, uh, one of his things caught on fire in the room. And we woke up and had to put a fire out. And it was so cold, we were just shivering. I mean, underneath seven blankets. And then we took a trip up the mountain for a couple hours on horses through where all the mess, where all the, all the San Pedro grows. Gorgeous. Oh my God. Beautiful country. The only way up that, that hill, you can't take anything but a horse or your feet. And and that was, um, we start off at seven in the morning and we got there. Um, I think like one or two in the afternoon, something like that. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was like 10 or 11 in the morning. It was like a couple hours. It was like maybe two or three hours by horseback. Crazy. So we get up there and he's setting up. And when you get up to the, the, there's like a big gate made from stones. And every stone has a face of people from all over the whole planet. I mean, you could go, oh my gosh, is that, that looks like a Japanese man. That looks like like a a warrior from Africa that looks like a native American from North America. Like every single stone was from, it was like, it looked like a face from someone from a different country, every kind of face you can imagine. 
And it took me a minute. And then all of a sudden I saw it and I said to Reynardo, hey, there's faces there in the rocks. And he's like, you see it too? He goes, good. I thought I was just high, right? <laughs> I know, I see it. Oh my God, this place is really sacred. He said, yeah, this is Marco Wasi. It's very sacred. We were setting up for a Psytrance festival. We didn't get to stay for it because he had to work the next day. But so we came home immediately, like the next morning. And we had to walk five hours down the mountain because the horse guy showed up, waited 10 minutes and then left. Really? You take a two and a half hour trek up a mountain and after five minutes without waking us up, you leave and go back down the mountain two and a half hours. Whatever, dude. <laughs> you know, It's like, whatever. The guy wasn't all that smart, I guess. I don't, I, you know, he could have made money, but didn't want to, I guess. It was very weird. I, that whole thing, that trip was, that was too weird. But while I was there inside what looked like a crater on the damn moon, in the center of Marco Wasi, I looked up one, at one moment and I saw a um, spaceship fly across the sky and disappear into a portal. <laughs> There's a lot of stories about Marco Wasi. So anyway, so I didn't think anything more about San Pedro, walked down the mountain, blah, 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 went back to Lima. And a couple months later, we moved back to the hostel that we had first lived in in the center because our time in the apartment was up. So we go to that, we're at the hostel and all of a sudden Sam Pedro started coming to me again and again and again. <laughs> and it first came to me in the form of a man who was, I don't know. Uh, he was in the Italian mafia he told me he's very well connected. He was a chef, but his family had been in the mob, right? So he was always like, bada boom, bada bing, la 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 la. Like, I don't know. Like, if you imagine every mobster movie ever, this is how this guy talked, right? And he was actually a super fun person to hang out with, except when he ate, he ate like crazy. Like, it went everywhere, flying, food flying in every direction all over. I mean, he'd be covered. You'd give him a sandwich and he'd be, his face would be covered in mustard and he'd have like bits and pieces of bologna all over his shirt. Like it was ridiculous, right? Everything he ate, even if he ate an orange, like he'd have like bits and pieces of orange all up and down stuck in his arm hair. <laughs> I mean, it was like, he said, I know I'm a mess. He's like, I love to eat. I just, I know I'm a mess. He was ridiculous. He was a hilarious person. And, and I loved hanging out with him, but my kids are like, he's a little weird. I don't think we should exchange numbers with him, right? I'm like, okay, well, whatever. And he left the next day, helped him get his bus ticket and took him to the, the very scary part of La Victoria, which is a, the Distrito La Victoria is very, very, very dangerous. In the daytime is dangerous. At night, you probably get murdered if you're from out of town. It's like that dangerous. And that was only two blocks from where we were. And Lima's like that. You can be in a super safe area and you walk one block in the wrong direction. Now you're in trouble. So we uh, had gone all, all the way over there with him and we thought we said goodbye to him for the, for the last time. Three weeks later, he comes back from Cusco and he was, he hung out for like a couple days with us and it was fun. We went out to eat with him again. And again, my kids are like, don't, don't have anything to do with this guy after here. I'm like, I don't know. We'll see, you know, maybe I'll give him, you know, like my Facebook or something, but 
we ended up never talking about it and we never really kept in touch after that. But right before he left in the morning, six o'clock in the morning, he wakes me up and, he, and he's, he, he's talking overly loud. We were in a dorm room with 18 people. <laughs> and my bed was right next to a balcony overlooking all of the protests and the park across the street, which is next to a, a gorgeous museum. So I loved living in the center of Lima. I felt very safe there. At three o'clock in the morning, I could go get a sandwich for $2 in the middle of the street. <laughs> there's like a little round thing in the middle of the street. And, and then there's like a little center divider. And it was an amazing place. I felt really safe in this one little part of Lima. It was very weird. And anyway, um, <laughs> he wakes up at six o'clock in the morning. And he goes, okay, look. I have too much and it's not fitting into my suitcase now. So I'm going to gift you a pound of San Pedro. I'm like, what? And he goes, yeah, here, this is illegal. This is mescaline. It's like a controlled substance. He's like, I'm not going to get caught in New York with this. Are you kidding me? He's like, are you kidding me right now? I'm not going to get caught with this here, here. And he hands me a pound of San Pedro and, and it says aloe vera powder on it. He goes, yeah, well they do that. So people can bring uh, masculine into other countries. <laughs> I'm like, Oh my God, are you serious right now? Oh my God. <laughs> this is so insane. Right? So he leaves and I'm like, okay, San Pedro. Great. Thank you. Awesome. That's awesome. And then, um, he leaves and the very next day, a man named Peter, which is Pedro in English, was on the bed um, right next to my bed. Like I was on the lower bunk and my kids were, one was on, on top of my bunk and one was on the bed right next to us on the upper bunk. Well, Peter was in the one below and he was really cool. And he, um, I think he was the one that rode his bicycle all over the road, the, the, the world, like he would take his bicycle to different countries and just ride everywhere. And he was really athletic and he came to do San Pedro. He's like, yeah, I came here to do San Pedro and I had a bunch of it, but now I'm leaving tomorrow. Again, so two days in a row, I'm leaving tomorrow. Here's my San Pedro stash. And he hands me this enormous bag of San Pedro. I'm like, awesome. Thank you so much. Someone else just gave me some, this is weird. He leaves and I put it in my locker going, I'm not going to do though. This, I, I, okay, fine. Maybe I will, but yeah, I definitely want it. And I think I gave money for it. You know, my friend from New York just gave it to me as a gift. And so this guy says, yeah, you got to take it though. And, and I, and I asked what, what, what is this high like? And he says, not what you would think. It's very mild. You may or may not have visuals. Usually you won't. You just take it and you go to a place of natural, like a natural area, like a beach or something. All right, great. So I'm going to go ahead and do that. <laughs> this is really awesome. So he told me how to do it, how to make it and everything. And so he left and a couple days go by and I've been thinking about it, contemplating and a couple days go by and it's dark in the room because people are sleeping and it's about nine o'clock, 10 o'clock at night. And this guy, um, is in one of the beds and he's moaning like in pain and he's like, Oh, Oh, oh. and, and I was like, Oh, this is ridiculous. Right. I got to do something. I'm like, um, excuse me, what's going on? And he, he said that he had been climbing all day long in the mountains 
and he's from Colorado and he does this all the time, his whole life as an adult, you know, he was like in his, um, thirties, but since he was a teenager, he's been climbing, rock climbing, but this is the first time in his life that he's really scared. He never, he had hip pain and he couldn't walk. He literally couldn't stand up. He's like, I don't know what's going on. I'm really scared. I've got to take tomorrow (laughs) a plane. And I'm like, okay. And he described the pain and I'm like, all right, let me help you. And so in the dark, I don't even know this guy. I have never seen him before. I couldn't see him, but I'm like, look, I know how to fix this with physical therapy. Cause this is exactly like a problem I had with my hips after I broke my leg. So I do physical therapy on him and I healed him immediately. He was completely like, Oh my God. So grateful. And I'm like, I'm going to just lay with you for a minute. Cause this is, I'm exhausted. And he put his arm around me and we were just talking and cuddling, which is insane. Cause I don't know this guy. And I'm like, so what was your name? I didn't catch your name. He says, Peter. I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> it's like, you know, for over a week now I'm hearing, you know, two people named Peter and gain San Pedro twice. And then he leaves. And when he leaves, he had a book called, um, the ruins of California ruin is the last name in the story. It's an amazing fictional novel. If you ever want to pick up a fun, fun read about growing up in the seventies, everything in the book I, I related to anyway, he leaves this book cause I told him I'm from California and he leaves this book on his bed or on, on the outside of his bed aimed like facing the, the, the jacket cover of the book faces me. So I wake up and he's gone. All those things are gone. And there's this book, the ruins of California. And I'm like, Oh my God, he left me a gift for what I had done for him. So I still have the book. Actually, it's on my bookcase in, in the living room right now. <laughs> and I love this book. I'm probably going to read it again. Cause it was so great. So, um, so he leaves and more people come and my um, oldest moved to a lower bunk because there was one finally open and lo and behold, another man comes and he stays in the bunk above me. His name is San Pe- or I mean, his name is Pedro. <laughs> I'm like, damn it. I'm tired of this. You know, so over the course of like a week and a half now, the name Peter or Pedro has come up like four times <laughs> And two people have given me bags of mescaline. So I'm going to take a quick break and I'm going to tell you what happened when I took it. So this is a massive lead up, but here you go. I just remembered guys that I forgot another weirdness in this story. Okay. So before, okay. After we went to, after I went to Marco Wasi and had that weird experience, <laughs> amazing experience after Marco Wasi and before we moved into the hostel, like another three months went by and we went back to Ecuador to renew the visa again. And we went to Mancora. And, and the thing is, it's a 40-hour bus ride, but there's an 11-hour waiting period. So you have to get to Mancora, wait 11 hours, and then get on the bus to Cuenca. So that's what we did. And we, um, 
So it was my second trip to Cuenca <laughs> three months later. And so we were at, um, in Mancora and it was hot. It's so hot there. It's the desert. It's the beach. It's gorgeous. It's a teeny, teeny, tiny town full of extremely friendly, amazing people. But most of them speak Spanish, of course. So we, um, had a couple people we'd go around saying hi to, but this particular day we'd been up there many times. And this one man who owns a, a restaurant was a little bit, maybe a little bit overly friendly with me, like giving me a hug every time. Cause he liked talking to me and he spoke Spanish or he spoke English and his wife did not. So he wanted to practice his English with me. So she got a little bit jealous and I, and I tried to hug her and at first it was okay. And like the third or fourth time, She was just like, who is this woman who keeps coming to my world, you know? So we were like, I don't want to go to that restaurant. It it got awkward last time. We're not going to go. So we just went to, um, you know, we went, we wanted to go see the beach and we did for a while. And then we're walking around and this guy says, you guys look plum exhausted. He's like, look, you know, he had a, he had a, a travel agency. He's like, why don't you take your stuff? You can put your stuff back here. And there's a little restaurant over there. If you want to take a shower, there's a shower in the bathroom, which was really weird. There was, it was like a shower inside where the toilet was and it was not their house, but I think they might've used it, you know, as such, I think their house was in the back and it was like their second bathroom or something. In fact, while we were eating lunch there, the, uh, we didn't leave our stuff there. I think we carried our stuff, but we carried our backpacks and stuff. But anyway, so we go and we eat and we come back and we're talking to this guy and he says, um, he says to me, have you tried San Pedro yet? I'm like, no. And he's like, well, you have to. I'm like, okay. And he says, have you ever heard of the town called San Pedro where San Pedro grows? Again, almost identical conversation with the guy who was in the town of San Pedro. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I was there. I went to Marcawasi. He's like, and you didn't get any San Pedro? I'm like, no. He's like, okay, well, you got to go back there. And this is what it looks like. This is how you open it. This is how you make it, make it there out in the, in the underneath, you know, the sun for the whole day. And then at night under the full moon, try to go on a full moon, you take it. And he gave me all the instructions of how to make San Pedro. And I'm like, this is really strange. Right. And he says, well, I'm a shaman, you know, I came here and I became a San Pedro shaman and he had come from another part of like Europe again, like this other guy, another tall guy with blue eyes. And I think you have white hair that used to be blonde. Right. So it's like kind of almost the same story as this other guy. And he opened up, um, an intentional community, um, up in, um, I guess I could call it that after my channeling yesterday, up in, um, Northern, um, Peru, which is on the border of Ecuador in Peru. He bought this massive land and he says, if you want, it's $10,000 and you'll have like an acre, all yours. And everybody that lives there, um, they have to be like a shaman or spiritual. Somehow they have to be meditators. And, um, a lot of people are vegetarian and there's already been like five or six people buy the land from me. And we're creating a community that is conscious and spiritual. And we're going to have activities there. It's going to be amazing. And we're going to have plant ceremonies and everything. 
I'm like, oh my God, that's, I'm like, I don't want to live in Peru, but that's incredible. And I'm probably going to come back and talk to you about this someday because I'm going to live in Ecuador. That's where my higher spirit tells me to go. And he says, well, I'm telling you right now, you have to take San Pedro. My higher guidance is telling me to tell you, you have to do it because I see it. I'm seeing it. Right. So he's like having these conversations with God while he's talking to me. I'm like, okay, fine. Uh, you know, people keep mentioning this plant to me since I got here. And a few people mentioned ayahuasca, but everyone's telling me, San Pedro, I have to do it. All right, fine. I'll do it. So, <laughs> so then I go back and then all the things of the Peter, Peter, Pedro, Pedro. And here's some San Pedro. And here, you want to buy it off me here? Everyone's giving me San Pedro. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, right after this man says, you have to do it. I'm like, oh my God, this is ridiculous. I'm like, all right, fine. All right, so there was a park that was about three or four blocks away from the hostel. And this park was really strange in the way that most parks have um, kind of pale green grass in Lima. This one had like really dark, almost like the shade-loving fine fescue, um, Kentucky style grass is like blue grass literally it's like kind of it's not blue but it's got a bluesy green it's gorgeous beautiful dark dark green lush right so there's this park and it's enormous and so i know that this park is um huge it's like being in nature i didn't feel like going to the beach and sitting there under the sun and getting sunburned so there was tons of these massive forest like trees lots of shade lots of benches a lot of places you could sit by yourself and contemplate well i was with my my oldest and and um my oldest was um almost 17 so like 16 and a half and um He's like, let's do, let's do San Pedro together. I'm like, okay, okay, fine. We both need some stuff we have to heal. So let's do it. All right. Not a problem. So we had instructions on how to do it from several people. So we went, we made it. You just basically boil it on the stove for a very long time. Then you steep it for a very long time. You know, just boil mix it with water and boil it. And so, and we asked, you know, the spirit of the plant to help us. And we did like a little bit of a ceremony you know, but not like with music, not like, you know, dancing around a fire naked under the moonlight or nothing insane. It was just a quick little five or 10 minute thing we did in the kitchen of the hostel, you know, just not really, you know, traditional at all, but we did it. We had the ultimate intention to heal from this plant. So so we uh, we did it, and we waited till it cooled off because it was too hot, and we poured it into water bottles and put the lids on, put it in our backpacks, and we took off, went to the park. And we started drinking it on the way to the park, thinking it's going to take a while to come on, so it did. And we get into the park, and we didn't know that there was going to be some kind of a festival. <laughs> it was the Bolivarian witches market festival <clears throat> so all of a sudden we are surrounded by people that have um the most incredible everything i mean i have i bought a bunch of stuff probably because i was high on san pedro <laughs> on mescaline but i so this is how we started we 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 walked in and we were like whoa 
in all the bright colors and we were feeling really like these colors are brighter than normal it was a little bit like eating maybe one mushroom and when four is a typical dose right of the blue mushrooms it was a little bit like that it wasn't very hallucinogenic but it was enough where we felt weird we felt really weird and we were still able to function and walk around and so I mean candles and amulets and parts of animals and all these Bolivian women with the Bolivian tribal um, dresses and they were all very very sweet but also very demanding like over here over here I've got this you know I've got the thing for you and obviously all in Spanish and in a different accent because Bolivian and it was very surreal to walk into something like that but we wanted to walk through tents you know we got a couple bags of nuts and, and dried fruit and some candy and walked by a table f- filled with uh, f- deep fried guinea pigs on sticks to eat which really freaked us out because we're high and we knew that that kind of thing happened but we had never seen it before so that was a little freaky and uh, they were setting up a stage for music and I thought oh great that'll be nice later when we're coming down there'll be music maybe we could go dancing and um, go back in and, and the food booths were still being set up I'm like well we've got our fruit and nuts and whatever and that'll be cool so we we um, walked through that and then we went to the um, this massive statue and we sat down and we just looked up at this massive black monolith of a statue that was on four sides of it. We were drawn to it and there was um, the goddess statue and it was it was like a female goddess and we just were looking up at her and we realized the people sitting next to us were um there were uh lesbians and they're talking about um not gay pride but about some event they were going to have and we thought that was really cool and two of the girls started making out we're like that's we're like literally on the goddess side of the statue and they felt like they were there being protected by the goddess right it was like really kind of cool. So we're hanging out and my kids like got a bright blue Mohawk, right? So we look all kinds of weird. And, and so they were kind of friendly with us, talking to us for a few minutes. Then they get up and they leave. So we're contemplating the statue. Then we go to the other side where there's a, a, a anaconda and a jaguar. And we went to the other side. There was other, there's like jaguar, anaconda. There was shamans all around. The statue, I'm like, this is getting to be kind of cosmic. You know, I didn't really notice this before. And now we're sitting here high on San Pedro contemplating these things. And so it was like four sides and every side is different. And on the other side of the goddess statue, there was, I think, a god statue. So they're very balanced energy, you know, and it was all shamans. It was all um, really intense. So we decided we'll go to the more woodsy like area. So we sat there for about an hour or two. And, and so we were high on it, but it was just more cerebral, more, we sat quietly, we meditated and started to work out emotional stuff. Like, do we need to be depressed? Can we get back to center? And we both 
came to some pretty nice conclusions, at least for a while. It affected us for months after where we kind of felt a little bit better about some things that happened in the past. We're able to let more go. So it does work and it did work. And um, so we started walking around again. We found the Japanese um, memorial statue, um, or I mean, not statue, but it was like a big, huge wall of names of people um, who had, um, after the war come and they made, uh, I don't know, some kind of significant thing, or maybe it's just as significant. They came after the war, uh, Peru had asked Japan, Japanese people to come and they made this big memorial. We're like, wow. And I don't know if his people, like their family members were killed in the war. And these are the, from the families that live in Lima. Now it was very strange. It was out of nowhere, you know, it was just, so we're there. So we were looking at all these statues that we kind of knew were there. Didn't know what they were before. We didn't even register. And this park is like every five minutes, there's people dancing and practicing and rehearsing all these amazing dance routines. It's like, it's like you're walking through this park and every, five minutes there's brand new music brand new dancing brand new costumes some are native some are just like girls tossing batons because it's for their high school others are you know so it's like this park is an amazing cultural experience and every few minutes it's like they're from a different district or different part of lima and so you get to see all the different amazing colorful things which is fun when you're high you know usually i was on weed going to that park. So this was a different experience. And there wasn't as many dancers on the day we did San Pedro, even though it was a weekend. And we finally found this one. I think we went back to the Japanese Memorial. We'd been there and walked around again and bought some food and ate. And then we came and we sat down on the steps of this, um, one, section. It was like these steps that go up to a memorial and then there's like a tunnel. It's very strange. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, okay, this is it. This is the final stages of the San Pedro thing. So I'm going to sit here. And we were off of, there's like a main drag where people, it was like all paved and people could walk and it was very wide. And then there was a couple places where if a band wanted to come, it was this big, huge part there was like a round um, uh, cement part where a band could easily fit and people could still walk around them. So there's all these places like that where a band, if they wanted to come and set up, they could have. Oh, but no, no, no. Where we were sitting on these steps, this band came and set up in the dirt, half on the dirt, half on the sidewalk, as close as they possibly could to us specifically. This massive park where people are normally dancing, there was all these empty spaces they could have been. And they set up and they looked different. Like they did not look like anybody from any of the other districts that we had been seeing. Their costumes were a little strange. They looked kind of familiar, but I was high. I, I'm like, whatever. Everyone's going to look familiar to me in this moment. I didn't think anything of it. And they pull out this massive drum and they have these instruments and some were recognizable and some weren't all that, but I'm still like, I'm on San Pedro. Right. And all of a sudden they start playing the song over and over and over and over and over again. 
We sat there for like three hours before we realized they're playing the same song over and over and over again. They're not stopping with the same song. I'm like, this song is so familiar. What is this song is so familiar. And and my my son's like, no. We've never heard this before. I'm like, no, I know this song. And we're still trying to meditate. We're still trying to get into the energy of San Pedro when it hits me. Where was I when I heard the song before? I was in the city called San Pedro. Who were these people? I think they were the people that played that song for us before, right next to the window, uncomfortably close in a very awkward place right next to where I was sitting before and now right where I'm sitting again awkwardly in the dirt like a little bit leaning their instruments into plants that were landscaping awkwardly playing this song that activates the spirit of San Pedro inside you I got a lot more insights And I realized that San Pedro, the spirit of San Pedro, he's been following me for many, many years, my whole adult life, in fact. And the snake dreams, going through the jungle above the snake, that is Panchamama, the spirit of the earth. She was calling me. I asked the shamans in the jungle, and and they said, that's Panchamama, she has been calling you. Because you have to live here. You have to live in South America. This is your home. And she wanted you to come. Also, that is what was calling you was ayahuasca. But when you're ready, that's when the ayahuasca will start coming into your life. And they said, San Pedro will come when you're ready for it. And San Pedro came to me multiple times, as I mentioned today. So San Pedro, even though there's not like a lot of visualizations or hallucinations, it helps you emotionally get to where you need to be to be present and center and forgive all the stuff of the past, let go of all the fear of the future, to be in this present moment, to be well. And that's what it did for me. And, but what was weird to me is it's more than a plant. It is a spirit. The fact that these people (laughs) came and played for me, they were calling me to the plant. And these other people were shamans. They were dressed in these brightly colored clothes of their people from near Marcoasi, San Pedro. And they were, they did not look me directly in the eye. And I'm looking at them like, these people are crazy. Why are they coming here in this moment? What I'm trying to, I'm trying to get through this thing I'm going through. And here they're playing the song for the plant inside me. This, I know this episode isn't what you expected. You expected me to tell you about the visualizations maybe or, or whatever. But my experience with this plant went far beyond myself. (laughs) This plant has been following me all over South America. The energy and spirit of this plant followed me 
from all over this continent, like in three countries, this has followed me. So, and I live now in the Andes Mountains, and I did not even know that it grew here. So I live in the Andes Mountains where this plant grows. It was calling me to live here. It was letting me know that it cares about me. It sparked random strangers to come and play a song for me twice. Twice. The first time, that song was all night long. And they played and played and played until I sobered up. And I looked at my my kid. I'm all, do you feel completely sober again? And and he's like, yeah, it's no longer in our, he's like, I, I think it's out of our system now. It had been about four hours. He says, I think it's out of our system now. I'm like, yeah, maybe it's time to go home. And as soon as I said that, these people who don't speak English packed up their instruments and left. So, wow. <laughs> if you are called to the jungle, if you are called to the mountains, if you're called to South America in any way, shape, or form, it might not be a longing in your heart. It might be the spirit of the plant because your higher self told it to contact you. This is a, a, a bigger part of... I don't know. I've become a shaman since I got down here. I think I've always been a Hayoka shaman, but as far as the spirit medicine, the, the uh, working with the animals, working with the ghosts, working with all of the things I've been working with and becoming an energetic shaman. A huge part of my training came from the spirit of San Pedro, which is funny because if this is still Mescalero, he did not appear to me at all this time. But I feel that he has been following me my whole adult life. <laughs> Ever since I read that book and I smoked the Kava Kava. And I'm just still blown away that these people knew who we were. How? How did they know? It's still a mystery. There's a lot of deep mysteries in South America, and that was one of the weirdest things. So I had to tell you guys about this story. And I still have a bag of mescaline in my closet. <laughs> a bag of San Pedro from Cusco. I don't know. I, I'm going to... I've been thinking about doing it again, and I think I'm going to ask my son. Maybe we'll do it for um, maybe Halloween. I don't know. We've been wanting to do some spiritual ceremony for um, maybe for hall, maybe for um, the Day of the Dead. We'll do it and um, get rid of some of our demons from the past, <laughs> our ghosts from the past, as it were. Anyway, this has been another episode of Metaphysical Soul Speak, the podcast. I will come back tomorrow with all original and unique programming, as always. I hope you enjoyed this version. Thank you for being on the ascension journey with me thank god we are at 100 percent, and we are anchored fully in the fifth dimension which is pretty awesome thank god for that we did it now i'm going to see where i'm at when i take san pedro now <laughs> i wonder if anyone's going to come and play music for me in the future 
I mean, when I do this, if any, if I'm going to hear this song, uh, maybe I'll hear it with my mind. Maybe, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm going to start asking right now on air, universe, divine mother, heavenly father, if you want me to do San Pedro and spirit of San Pedro, if you're still with me, give me a sign that I meant to do it soon. All right. I put that out there. I'm going to let you guys know the progress on that. If I see a P in the sky or, <laughs> or meet someone named Peter in the next few days, I'm going to let you know. Or if someone asks me about this and they don't know about my show, we're going to find out. All right. I need your ghost story still. We have five whole days. Maybe six, depends, but I need to see your ghost stories. I need to be able to read them on the air for Metaphysical Ghost Speak that will be coming up now on well, Halloween. <laughs> so, all right. <clears throat> That's all I got to say about that for tonight. I wish you all well. I love you all very much. Thank you for going ahead and telling your Facebook groups and everything else about me if you like the show. Um, I was just named, uh, they redid the article from the beginning of the year when they said I was one of the top metaphysical, um, shows to watch out for this year in 2019. I was listed as number one out of five. Now I'm listed as number one out of eight on player FM. So if you are someone who is listening to the show from Player FM. In fact, if you're the person who wrote the article because you like to wa- listen to the show, thank you. I wanted to thank you for that. I'm really grateful for that. That's pretty, pretty cool. Makes me know I'm on the right path. I'm doing the right thing. So that's pretty incredible. All right. So thank you guys for everything. Um, I'm going to sign off now with peace and joy and the high vibes of the holy fifth dimension. Until next time, guys, peace. Do you ever wish you could look into the next chapter in your book of life and see what's coming next? What does the universe have in store for you? I can help you with that. I will give you a Celtic cross reading, which is 10 cards, or you can ask me three questions and I use three cards per question. So that's nine cards or I can channel your higher guidance or maybe God directly for you. Maybe you want to talk to your dear departed Aunt Edna because maybe you have a few questions and she was the smartest person you knew. If your deceased relatives are available or your ascended masters, I can channel them for you personally. Let me have one hour to show you the future in your next chapter of your book of life. Readings are $75 and it takes me an hour to an hour and a half to complete. And for this price, you will also be hooked up to 
the healing grid around the planet for free, which means yours truly, me, I will be giving you Reiki 24 hours a day, seven days a week for the rest of your life. All you have to do is let me know. Metaphysicalsoulspeak at gmail.com and we will explore your future together.